Another day here on Drop the Subject. That means it's going to be a great day. Allie Johnson here, Dr. James Simmons, nurse practitioner. As we learned yesterday, it's Dr. James and Mrs. Allie or Dr. James and not Dr. Allie, whatever you want to call us. We are happy to be here. (laughs) James, I already have a question for you. If something to bring to the table, uh, a, a conundrum that you might be facing that you don't even know about. Big words early on in the show, Mrs. Allie Johnson. Conundrum. Love it. I, it will be the last. The syllables get less and less from here on out. But if you have followed the show religiously, I know many of you have, you will know how James feels about soup. He has made sure everyone knows his stance on soup. He said specifically, I stand soup. You have been outspoken in the soup community for quite some time, James. It is. It's one of the the arms of activism. You know, most people are activists in many right. different arms. It's one of the arms of activism that people don't know as much about with me, but I have a, a storied, storied history with my soup activism. I also happen to know that you're not a fan of the current president of the United States. Oh, that may also have been a secret to some people, <clears throat> but um, yeah, you yeah. unstand Donald Trump. I, I, I non-stand, I non-doctor yes. the, the current president. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So then I'm very curious to see how you're going to feel about this. And I don't know if you've checked Twitter recently, but this has been making the rounds yesterday and into today because it was one of the things that Twitter, Twitter every once in a while just really latches on to something. It's like, nope, this is what we're committing to. So <laughs> I'll play you the original. Okay. And then we will get into some of the creative directions that this audio has oh. gone in. Uh, here's the beginning. Just want to get your top line thoughts. Take a listen. And then they have cans of soup soup and they throw the cans of soup that's better than a brick because you can't throw a brick it's too heavy but a can of soup you can really put some power into that right yes, sir. and then when they get caught they say no this is soup for my family <laughs> they're so innocent this is soup for my family what uh, it's incredible and you have people coming over with bags of soup big bags of soup and they lay it on the ground and the anarchists take it and they start throwing it at our cops at our police and if it hits you, that's worse than a brick because it's got force. It's the perfect size. It's like made perfect. So this goes wow. on um, about a minute and two seconds total about uh. Uh, doing a soup bit, an off prompter soup bit. I can't imagine that this was written. I don't know what he was supposed to be saying here. And this did happen back in July, but his recent interview with Lauren Ingram has resurfaced this clip on soup. And since then, many remakes have been uh flooding the internet but first of all how do you feel do the two just cancel each other out where are you at with this? <laughs> i wish that my standing of soup could cancel out donald trump's uh pure retrograde hatred of soup clearly i also <laughs> feel as if it is blasphemous by the literal definition of the word for him to utter the word soup i don't ever want to hear him talk about soup ever again also some other thoughts i I mean, I'm a big guy. I, I lift I lift large, heavy objects and put them down repeatedly for no apparent reason. So I know that I am larger than the average person, but bricks really aren't all that heavy. Like, he's like, you can't throw a brick because it's too heavy, as if it's a couch or something. Like, no, you can throw a brick. It might not go more than 20 feet or I don't mm-hmm. know what. You can throw a brick. So that's interesting. Though I will so say... you're refuting his logic. I'm refuting his logic. <laughs> Though I will say there are some aerodynamic principles and there's some like hand to weight ratio principles going on with the can of soup. So I get it there. Um, I don't know in my anarchist handbook that I got last week, it specifically referenced using soup as a weapon. No, but now that we know this, you know, thank God, because protesters, if you're going out for the night, make sure you stop at your local grocery store, <laughs> load up on your bags of soup. Apparently, uh, Just have them on the ready, because if whether you're a doomsday prepper or a protester, it seems that the packing and the preparation for that is the same. At least according to the president, because all protesters are evil people who throw cans of soup at cops and break stuff, which we exactly. know to be absolutely 100% not the truth. So this also has some deep ties to Seinfeld, and someone took the liberty of turning <laughs> this into a scene between Donald Trump and the soup Nazi. Take a listen. And then they have cans of soup. Soup. You think you can get soup? This is soup for my family. 
We have people coming over with bags of soup, big bags of soup. Please, you're wasting everyone's time. Oh, this is soup for my family. It's a perfect size. It's like made perfect. You're pushing your luck, little man. Yes, you are. Ah, that's you're good stuff. You're pushing your so, luck, little man. I mean, there are so many different. Uh, there are raps going around, all kinds of things. Right? Where's I Marquis? The guy who did coronavirus and you about to lose your job. I feel like he has had a busy year. He's had huh? a super. Oh, he's had a bunch of other ones too that haven't you know blown up as much. But that you about to lose your job for a week was like top ten on iTunes. Like <laughs> I I need I Marquis to also grab Trump's soup audio now and make a remix of that. That would be amazing. Absolutely. Well. Um, grab your cans of soup. They are perfect to hurl at the president if you want to. He says that it's the perfect size. There's so many great things about soup. So whether or not you stand soup, um, you know, where, where you stand on this, we would love to know at DTS Show. We'll be right back with more. More soup? We don't know. More soup for you. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Tis Thursday, which means it is time for Gay Gay Cray Cray. That is right. Every week, and I will say we've probably been off a little bit since we were off on vacation. James took a much-needed vacation. I was uh, working, doing some other stuff. So we haven't done Gay Gay Cray Cray in a while. I'm excited to get back to it. I mean, we're we're Gay Gay and Cray Cray every day. That's true. Just you and I, individually in our own yeah, lives. Yeah, we don't necessarily need to share a story, but this is what <laughs> other people are doing. Nor will the FCC allow us to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to say what we really think, but what we really want. This is a story. I'm going to tell you a story about something that's going on in the world. A couple that's doing something a little unconventional. I will remove all mm-hmm. gender pronouns and any identifying names. You decide, James, whether this is a gay gay couple or a cray cray couple. Perfect. I am ready. All right. This couple is from Pennsylvania. That's where they live. They're together. They're happy. Um, But they're a little bit nervous because they are beginning life as a family of 11 after some things happened in a very different way than they originally anticipated. So this couple decided to adopt four kids. Uh Oh, very good. Very nice. Yes, adopting is good. But then they got pregnant with four kids. Wait, what? So they now have eight kids but then I don't know where the three comes in, but there's three. Maybe there were three to begin with. And now they're they've gone from three to 11 in a very short period of time. I think they had three kids already, what? then decided, all right, we're going to just load in four more. And then uh, one of the people's wombs loaded in four more, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> so <clears throat> they said it was chaos. We went from zero to five within less than a year. They took things day by day, never expecting to add more children to the mix. But mere weeks after finalizing their adoption, they were in for the surprise of a lifetime. Okay. Whoa. Whoa. They even say here, it's been cray. Well, they say crazy. They say uh, (laughs) it's been cray. So they're answering the question for us. Well, here's the thing. This is, uh, I mean, okay. I I have so many thoughts right now. I mean, I think you have more of the story, but I have so many thoughts about they're they're like overpopulation of us as a species on the planet is kind of an issue and and so i'm sometimes not super popular for this stance but i'm a big fan of people like considering adoption Mm -hmm. and i I get this like passing on your you know having your own child and doing all those things i think it's you know for some people it's really important and i get it and we obviously we have to continue the species but we're way 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 overpopulated as it is and there's so many kiddos out there who could use really really great homes so I feel like once you adopt, then stop. So maybe they were then medically told that they could not get pregnant? Yes. Well, you know, in this article, I will say they don't really give us a lot of info on the three original kids. I don't know if they were foster kids or if they had them naturally. Hmm. But and, And I totally see where you're coming from, James, because... There are a lot of foster kids out there that need homes. And uh, to have 11 children seems like um, overkill. But I, I understand yeah. the the desire to have your own. Ch- I understand both sides of it. Anyway. Yeah. Four. I don't know if anyone's like, yep, I want to be pregnant with four kids. I don't think anybody was like, oh, I want my womb God. to have four oh. children inside of it. Oh, poor person with a womb. Like, if those four kids are like, were we an accident? You're like, I mean... <laughs> Ask your eight other 
seven other siblings. Like, I don't know how to answer that. Is anybody with four kids like, no, you weren't an accident. The other three were the accident. <laughs> so, so what do you think? Because, you know, there are some gayish things to this story. If you, you know, uh, gay is more likely to adopt than a heterosexual couple if they are able to have kids naturally. Um, I, I don't have a lot of information about the first three kids, um, but also in vitro fertilization. That is something that a lot of lesbian couple or queer female couples do together. Um, in this case, yeah. it ended up in a very different direction than they anticipated. But what are you thinking? What do you, what do you, what's rattling around in that Dr. James brain of yours? Do you think this is a gay gay couple or a cray cray couple? Well, so th- that's, that's what's throwing me off just a little bit because you that's why i was like okay if you're adopting and you know that your adoption is going through stop the in vitro fertilization if that's what you're doing and so since this is gay gay or cray cray and you bring up this story and you and i both know people who are interested in kids and are you know lesbian couples let's say who are doing in vitro fertilization like that's a very real possibility so part of me was like whoa, whoa, whoa hold on if you knew you were adopting all these kids you should stop the in vitro but maybe they had already started it in the middle like who knows yeah I so think that's, that's kind of case. Yeah, they maybe started the process, and then you know, some for those of you listening who've been through it, sometimes it takes multiple times for it to take if it does. Um, so I don't know. This is very, very interesting. Though I feel like just classically, there are some heterosexual couples who are just like, "We're gonna have sex because you can't get pregnant, and we're all good." So, and then, whoops, there's four kids. So I'm gonna go with Cray. You are correct, Rekt. It is Maxine and Jake Young. They are a cishet white couple, and they hopefully have more than one job because they're going to need it, especially (laughs) now. Um, I cannot imagine what their grocery bill is going to be like. I don't know if I want to imagine that, but that is not the point. The point is that you are correct, James, and we will be right back with more. What do we have on deck? Oh, that's right. We're going to talk about pool boys. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Welcome back. That's like a Sesame Street <laughs> open. I don't know where that came from. I don't know. I was like, okay, are we going like, to Jamaica? We're where going, are we? Okay. Oh, no, it's Count uh, the Count Dracula. The Count, uh, what's his name from Sesame Street? Ah, ah, ah. Three cookies. Ah, ah, ah. Three cookies is the exact number of people who apparently were involved in Jerry Falwell Jr.'s sex scandal. Allie Johnson, I've been dying to talk about this. It's been sort of exploding and changing over the last week or so, and we haven't had a chance to talk about it. And you, this is not like super interesting to you, or you haven't been following it, or you just don't know, or is it just me? I'm I'm into salacious sex scandals, apparently. No, I am 100% into it. I just have not, I legitimately have not had time to look into it, and I wasn't that familiar with Jerry. Fall well, so I I just I've been waiting for you to just dish it out to me. So please do because I think there are updates and we haven't had a chance to even talk about it on the air. And I just want to know in general if you would have a threesome with a pool boy. Right. <laughs> okay. That is a completely different segment. Okay. We will go back to Jerry Falwell. So Jerry Falwell Jr., the son of Reverend Jerry Falwell Sr. Very famous televangelist, right? One of the first and the biggest of the televangelists. Very, very, very anti-gay, super, super right-wing, super conservative. And they helped found Liberty University. And so Jerry Falwell Jr. was the president of Liberty University up until recently, when, in fact, I think on Tuesday of this week, he resigned. Um... And it was a little bit confusing because the news reported he resigned and then he came out and said, I didn't resign and then later resigned because Liberty University is now opening up an investigation into much more of Jerry Falwell's life because of the fallout of the pool boy scandal. So the pool boy scandal, I will explain. Apparently, there's two pool boys. One who has come on the record and publicly shown his face and told a story that said that he had a threesome with Jerry Falwell Jr. and his wife. And it was what it involved was Jerry Falwell Jr. watching this man have sex with his wife. Take a listen to the details. I noticed this woman behind me staring at me and she was noticeably drunk. Um, and <laughs> she was just flirting with me. You know, And then we started flirting back and forth. Um, and then 
and towards the end of my work shift, she's like, hey, would you want to go back to my hotel room? And as a single 20-year-old, I'm like, yeah, of course. And, <laughs> and then she's like, but my husband wants to watch. I mean, well, so this is Giancarlo Granda, who at the time was working at the Fontainebleau what a name. Hotel. I know, right? Great name. In uh, Miami. Great, fa- super famous hotel. So... Apparently, the Falwells were staying there for something. There was some event going on, whatever. And you just heard what happened. And this is striking because being such a right-wing conservative, you know, everything by the Bible, et cetera, et cetera, no sex outside of marriage, all that kind of stuff, person leading a school that preaches that and teaches that to, to their students, having almost been resigned because he took a picture with his pants unbuttoned next to a young woman. That happened a couple weeks ago. <laughs> And now, well, it's and that of, was not an accidental whoopsie no, photo. No, he's okay. like, we drank, we were drank too much on a boat, and so people are like, why are you drinking well, too I much mean, on a boat? Who hasn't done that? Right, but he, but like you, president of Liberty University, Jerry right. Falwell Jr., drinking uh-huh. too much on a boat with a young woman, unbuttoning your pants and taking a picture and then posting it on Instagram. Like, what are you <laughs> doing? And then, so more people have been like, it's it's unraveled a little bit, like Ellen. Where people have been like, oh, you have a Jerry Falwell Jr. story? I do too. And then people have come out with some other stuff. So then this Giancarlo Granda speaks out. And that clip we just played for you was on Good Morning America. He was being interviewed by George Stephanopoulos. Like, this guy's going for the big dogs, right? Then another pool boy comes out and says, oh, yeah, that I, I did the exact same thing like several years later at, from a different hotel or whatever. So now there's two people. So Liberty... The university is like, hold up, time out, wait a minute. We are going to do a full-on investigation into everything that's going on with this man because now there are some questions about how he might have spent Liberty University's money. Oh no! Like that whole thing. Have there been other sexual? On there may so have been many some pool sexual, services. Uh, Every pool is pristine, <laughs> immaculately clean, gorgeous. Right. So, um, I just think this is so interesting how often this seems to happen with individuals who I bring this up and I think the story is important for our audience as a LGBTQAI plus audience how so often we are considered shameful or evil or awful because of we don't follow what human beings interpretations of the Bible which is a flawed document series of right documents. We're, we're we're going against our natural yeah like uh, like um like what God intended, what, right? Yeah, yeah. or All what? Of that yeah, crap that we know to be crap, and then you have someone like this. And listen, I am not to your question beforehand. I have been involved with multiple sexual people situations prior to being with Chris. So, like, any pool boys? I don't know what their employment was. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I'm not. Sh- I am. Everyone knows on Ask the NP. Everything you're too scared to ask your MD. Oh. Like, I we do not sex shame. I am not shaming the act of multiple people having sex at one time. No, it's the Ellen it- thing. It's what you stand for versus yeah, what it's your what real you stand story for. is. Right. right. And and so I just think that's really interesting. Like like you are so. I, I the hypocrisy is unbelievable with this. We will give you more. Just like Ellen, there's more Ellen stuff going on in the world too. We will talk about that later on the week and of course any new juicy yummy gossip from jerry falwell of course drop the subject the new channel q drop the subject with Allie and james hey we posed a question to you on our instagram at dts show and on twitter if you're not following us please do it really helps us out to follow along with the show because we will ask you poignant questions like this what would your tv show theme song be i think at least once in life you walk around or you're getting on a bus or whatever and you're just kind of in your own world and you're like, man, I wish that my life had its own theme music. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah, of course. So, I mean, I feel like most people do that every day. You don't? Oh, oh, no, not every day. No, come on. Now, maybe this is my whole persona of like I put on heels sometimes and nails and wigs and off we go and, you know, go to the Ralph's down the street. <laughs> but like <laughs> sometimes I feel like, th- th- don't you think about this all the time? I have... Okay, I think this is a great question because I, Ali, I have a driving theme song. I have like entrance to a party theme song. I have really? entrance to the boardroom theme song. I have entrance to the you know emergency department code blue theme song. Like I got all <gasps> kinds of theme songs. Okay, well I cannot wait. Let's let's share a couple of listeners' uh, answers and then we'll get to our own because I think of this completely differently and now I'm fascinated really? to go through the ones that okay. we've picked for ourselves. Right. So one submission 
was coming in from uh, Justin B, who said, It's a Mad Mad World, a very depressing theme song. Probably one of the saddest songs in the world. <laughs> and um, I, if well, that's I mean, the song that pops into your mind, uh, I would suggest therapy. <laughs> Correct. Especially the Adam Lambert remake or version of it, you know, that he did whenever they did the coronavirus Where he's like, concert. <laughs> I mean, it is. Yeah, that version. Mm-hmm. Puck Rock uh, on Twitter said, No Scrubs. That's a great theme song. Uh-huh. Now, I... Oh, this is a little bit of No Scrubs for you. I think of my theme songs in age order. Oh. So, when I was younger, when I was a little kid, this was the theme song that was constantly going on in my mind. Let me just play it for you. I've got it all queued up and ready to go. When I was walking around the house up to no good, and I was an only child at the time, I didn't have any friends, I was sneaking around the house like this. <laughs> very, very good. Uh-huh. This is what would be in the background for you in a TV show. Yes. As your theme song, right, which was the very specific question by, by new producer Jesse. Just, yeah, just sneaking around the house. Uh-huh. Um, That's the original Pink Panther, right? Yes, the original Pink Panther, one uh-huh. of the best. Uh-huh. And then as I get older, when I'm in high school, things start looking up. I'm looking happy and I'm wearing my Jenko jeans and I've got my Vans on and my tube top. And this is what's going <laughs> Yeah, man, I was just having a good old time. The fresh maker. Um, and then now that I'm older and grown and responsible, it's this. <laughs> I mean, you can never go wrong with this, ever. I cannot hear this song, sober or drunk, and not sing along to the entire thing, and, and dance. Of course, uh, and like freak out about it. Exactly. Um, so now let's move on to you. I'm sorry, I've, I've, I've completely overtaken the segment with my with my three, but what? Give, give me yours. No, no, no. I think this is good. All right. So I'm going to give you mine super mega ultra fast. I also am. I'm so you're an age person. I'm like a situational person. Yeah. So uh-huh. I feel like depends on what's going on in the show. Like when we're coming up with some drama or there's some like tough things going on, the Dixie Chicks taking the long way round. This is your difficult situation song. <laughs> so like you sometimes you got to take the long way around to get to what you want. Right. But, okay. Uh-huh. There is. And oftentimes this happens in my life. I will say this. I, I'm, I'm bringing this into it as a black queer man who is fat. Sometimes there's some stuff that goes on in your life and it's not right, but it's okay. <gasps> yes. The Thunder Picks Puss remix, of course. Right. It has to be this remix. Uh, uh. Yeah. Uh, 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 um. So I won't play. This the is whole a, that's thing a great th- theme song because aren't these great? Because this is a this is a gay radio station. You guys know this. Okay. Last but most certainly not least, one of my favorite songs of all time growing up as a kiddo was this song, and then this is sort of just like ev- my mantra for life. Now you may not recognize the original. This is a great. I can just picture you walking down the street uh-huh. to the Ralphs with your wig on and your heels. Uh-huh. That's this and it's chill. It's very like 70s disco whatever. It's the SOS band Take Your Time Do It Right. But now Take Your Time Do It Do right. It Right. Someone has remixed it and this is the song I play before every television appearance, every interview, oh. every like every big drop thing in my life. Show? Every drop the subject so to get myself fired up and tell myself the baby you can do it. Take your time. Do it right as we go to commercial. Drop the subject. The new channel Q. Welcome back to Drop the Subject. If you sleep with a blankie, a boo-boo, 
a lion, lion, whatever kind of stuffed animal or blankie you can think of that maybe you've had since you were two years old or maybe you're 45 years old and you've only had it since you were 30. I don't know what your story is. The point is that we are going to break it down, the psychology behind it with the best licensed psychotherapist that I've ever met. I can say that for my own personal life. Dr. Jen Mann, uh, welcome back to the show. And thank you, by the way, for taking over for us while we were away. It was my pleasure. And thank you for that really, really lovely, heartfelt compliment. I really appreciate it. So what? let's just start from the beginning and work our way into adulthood. Why do babies, kids, whoever attach themselves to inanimate objects like blankies, stuffed animals, what have you? What What is the reasoning behind that? Well, originally it starts out as being what we call in psychology, a transitional object, which is kind of an object relations concept. And what it means is that the baby is attached to a parent. Typically it's the mom, but it can be a dad, especially if there's a two dad situation or two moms or whatever it is, but we have our primary attachment. What happens is that when we have to separate from that attachment, even if it's just, oh, we're putting you in your crib so that you can take a nap and then we're taking you out, during that period of time, children don't, in the beginning, have the ability to understand that when you, mom and dad, or mom and mom or dad and dad, when you disappear into the other room, you still exist. So it creates a lot of anxiety for that child. And so they have this object that we call a transitional object. So it's a comfort item. It is associated with you. It's associated with the primary caretaker. It's associated with calming yourself because we don't start out in the world with the ability to self-soothe and calm ourselves down. So what happens is we learn that from our parents. They are the ones that they hold us, they rock us, they feed us. They sing to us, they cuddle us, they do all these things to help us calm down and self-soothe, but it takes a while for us to learn that these transitional objects, the blankie, the teddy bear, the boo-boo, whatever it is, are those objects that we start to learn how to do that. So what makes us pick that specific object? Is it because the parent instilled that upon us? Like, here is the blankie that belongs to you, or is it like a grab bag and we just kind of latch on to one? It can be a variety of things. You know, sometimes like I know with my kids, I was very aware of it. So because I'm a therapist, I re- made sure I picked objects for them that could be replaced because I knew the odds of them eventually getting lost were high. So Smart. I picked, once they, I picked a few things, once they attached to it, I bought 10 backups. And I tried to rotate that. And one of my daughters in particular, she had one that she called Piggy. That had It was one of those kind of toys. It has like the, the head of the animal and then the bottom looks like a cloth. Uh-huh. Yep. That she liked. She called it Dirt Piggy because it <laughs> was more used than the other ones. And one time somebody washed it, washed Dirt Piggy, and it was a disaster. We have since recovered, thank God. We get attached to these things. Sometimes it is random because we're exposed oftentimes to a lot of different toys. And sometimes it can be something like the texture of it. It's really soft or the scent of it. And it's not even though it was conscious like, oh, mom was carrying this around a lot and it smells like her. And we're not even consciously aware of that as, as a young child and we attach to it. Or it could be associated with a memory. You know, oh, grandma got this for me when I was at her house and we ate, you know, mango, and it was a lovely memory. It tends to be a combination of factors. But once we get attached to it, it becomes this soothing object. And oftentimes that soothing does not leak. I am going to write down that advice to when I have kids pick a blankie or an animal that can be easily replaced because I lost my blankie when I was a, uh, when I was about 16 years old. And it was a very traumatic experience. I have not since found the blankie, but my wife, uh, who at the time was my girlfriend, when I was about 25 years old, I one of the first times I actually went to her house, her childhood house, I walked into her bedroom and on the bed was the exact replica of my blankie. And I said, oh, my, oh my God, God I, I'm in love. This must be some kind <laughs> of a sign 
because yeah. who else? I've never seen this blankie ever before in my life. And there she has it right on her bed. I understand. I mean, that's like kismet. That's amazing. Thank you. I, for my blankie that was brought to Sequoia National Park and was never seen again. I think that the, the housekeeping there thought that it was a, uh, a rag and threw it out. But yeah, I still remember coming back and my blankie being gone. You know, it's we get attached to these objects and there are adults who still use those objects and it's it's a sign that you need self-soothing. And okay. it, it's, we don't need to pathologize it, but what we do need to do is look at it and go, okay, if you're reaching for that stuffed animal, you probably need some self-soothing. And well, there's nothing wrong with cuddling with your stuffed animal. It may not go well when you have a new partner in your bed, if you're choosing that stuffed animal over your partner or if they're not used to it. But what we do want to do is take a look at it and go, okay, what other methods of self-soothing have you not learned that we can help you learn so that you're not dependent on this object? And also you can lose the object as an adult, not just a child. And we don't want your ability to calm yourself and sleep well to be dependent on any object. Okay. I have so much to say because that dirty rag story, I can relate. We're going to take a break. <laughs> when we come back, I will tell my story and then we will talk about having stuffed animals and blankies into adulthood. We'll be right back with more Drop the Subject. Drop the Subject. The new Channel Q. Welcome back to Drop the Subject. We are talking about stuffed animals and blankies with Dr. Jed. I'm Allie Johnson, and uh, we're talking to licensed psychotherapist Dr. Jen Mann, who's written a million amazing books, Couples Therapy on VH1. Look it up. Follow her at Dr. Jen Mann. Two ends on Jen, two ends on man. Where we left off, you had said that you lost your blankie because you think housekeeping threw it away thinking it was a dirty rag. I wonder how many blankies were lost with that method because mine was lost in the exact same way where a housekeeper came over to my house and threw it away and she was devastated because I was so devastated. And I'm fascinated by the fact that anybody who has lost their blankie or stuffed animal knows that story immediately and can yeah. tell it verbatim because it is in a lot of ways traumatic, right? Yeah. It's Sequoia National Park. Decade. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, where's my blankie? <laughs> so, so then later on, I've told this story on the air before, but when I was in college, I had a t-shirt that was stuck in between my bed and the wall. And it just kind of sat there for several weeks. I for totally forgot about it, right? I came back and I was making my bed and cleaning up and I found it and I put it up to my nose and it smelled like my blankie did. So I have had that t-shirt ever since. It's been my replacement attachment object. That makes and, sense. Right. It does, because it was the smell for me. Like you said, and, there are different things that you can attach to. They say that our sense of smell is our most primitive form of memory association wow. that like even more so sense. Like, yeah that like i know that there were these trees i think they're eucalyptus trees that when i smell these trees it makes me think of camp when i was a child and it yeah. wasn't even a conscious memory. it's not like i went oh i remember we had eucalyptus trees at this camp but it's like if i saw a picture of that tree it wouldn't bring camp back to me but i smell it and boom i'm there you know it's and we are that way when it comes to scents whether it's a perfume or a food or a plant we really associate scents on a very primitive level with these memories so it makes sense that these stuffed animals and these blankies are infused with that as well so then when you reach adulthood when is it healthy to have one and when is it not healthy to have one? I'll speak for myself yet again because I love talking about my blankie. When I met my gr my girlfriend at the time, she had one too. She still sleeps with a blankie. We both do. So under your logic from the end of the last segment, that's that's chill, right? Like it's okay because we're both in the same boat and it's okay for us to bring them on vacation. It's totally cool. You're good with it. She's good with it. You guys are not replacing your transitional object blankies. You're not replacing each other. It sounds like you guys are cozy in bed together, that you are cuddling, you have a, a good sex life, that you are doing all these other things. If you were holding on to your blankie and not touching your wife, I would say, okay, we have a problem if your blankie was replacing your wife or if one of you was uncomfortable with it, that's when it's a problem. 
I think it's always good to develop a repertoire so that we're not dependent on any object because like I mentioned before, you can still lose your blanket and it doesn't matter how old you are. We want to make sure that you're having a good night's sleep is not dependent on one object. Have you in your practice ever dealt with a couple specifically dealing with this issue and having to wean someone off of their blankie or stuffed animal into adulthood? Because I would imagine it's like wisdom teeth. At first, when you're younger, it's not as big of a deal. And then when you get older, you get more and more afraid of it. You know, I've gotten calls on the radio from people who have had that experience. And, and <laughs> of <help> course, <laughs> radio callers. Why didn't I think of that? Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. And I think it's one of those things that is kind of one of these kind of, and I put quotes around this like dirty little secrets that because people have a lot of shame around attachment to things that are related to childhood when they are adults. Interesting. Well, we are running out of time, but pick up Dr. Jen Mann's book, The Relationship Fix and Super Baby and the many others that she's written. You can find out more about her at drjenman.com and you can follow her at Dr. Jen Mann, two ends on Jen, two ends on man. Thank you, Dr. Jen. And we'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Drop the subject presents News It or Lose It. Yes, yes, yes. It's Drop the Subject and it's News It or Lose It time. We've got four headlines total. I've got two. James has two. But each of us can only pick one story to news. The other one we lose. Hence the title, News It or Lose It. Are you caught up? Great. Let's get going. I've got my headlines in front of me. Are you ready to hear them, James? Oh, am I ever. Headline number one. In California... No more SATs. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, man. I feel like I'm way more excited about that as a 42-year-old than I should be. Right. Oh, no. I mean, oh, uh, no. This is this is the hard part about the new version of News It or Lose It because I really want to hear this, but I really want to hear what else you have to say. Mm-hmm. I think I should lose it, though. Oh, okay. Then you are going to hear about Walmart's new <laughs> delivery service. Oh, Yay. <laughs> so there you go. Walmart Plus. I'll tell you all Damn about it. it. Go ahead. What are your headlines? <laughs> this is the. Okay. I don't like this new version anymore. Okay. Fine. I have two headlines. <laughs> Airline pilots landing at LAX report, quote, a guy in a jetpack flying alongside them. Ah, yes, I did hear about this story. They are investigating that. A guy in a jetpack is definitely a great story to tell at parties, but I think I'm going to lose it. Oh, well, by you losing that story, unfortunately, you have to hear, is it a bird? Is it a plane? (gasps) It's It's David David Blaine! Yay! We both kind of really crapped out on our (laughs) losing stories, didn't we? We went went down the, the... I can't say that word I was about to say on the radio. We started off with jetpacks and no SATs and ended with Walmart and David David Blaine. (laughs) See, this is what happens on Drop the Subject with the new News It or Lose It version. How about I go first? We'll get this David Blaine out of the way. Let's do it. So um, I think the best part about David Blaine's latest trick, which was, by the way, holding on to a bunch of balloons and flying over the Arizona desert a la Eeyore. It was originally supposed to be New York over the Hudson, which is a filthy, filthy river if you've ever been or lived in lived in New York. Which might have made it a little more substantive, right? Like, I'm like, I would rather fall in the desert and break my leg than fall in the Hudson and ingest something and like, you know, whatever, my eyeballs pop out. It's those brain-eating amoebas that you always talk about. Those are all in the Hudson River. <laughs> they all live in the Hudson River. Aye, aye, aye. But I think the best part about this whole trick, which ended successfully meaning he did cross this like like water i guess or something right he was like crossing some water and he's holding on and whatever except he's not holding on james he's not you picture a guy like you're picturing in your brain that this guy's gonna be literally holding a bunch of balloons like the guy from up right like like holding on to a group of balloons and if he lets go he's gonna die this is him being attached to some sort of manufactured th- thing, like a hot air balloon, but there's no, you're not standing. You're just attached to this large rod and floating through the air. <laughs> 
So, and I don't know that the balloons are actually filled with helium. Like, it seems like just some sort of contraption that he can fly on. Like, the jetpack guy was definitely cooler than what David Blaine did. I mean, then you should have news the jetpack guy, Allie. I guess. I know. Yes, I know this. Damn it. But some of these memes are... Mean? Did I say means? Memes. There we go. Are hysterical. That's the funniest part of this whole thing. Is people are you know the the no one meme where like people are like you know no one colon and then there's nothing there and then it'll be like you know Tyra Banks yeah. and then something dumb that she said that whole meme whatever. So <laughs> Alex Abard ninety five on Twitter was like no one blank absolutely no one blank David Blaine me flying over. It's a picture of yeah. him flying over the desert in these balloons like like. Like, no one asked for this. Right. There's a bunch of meh. Like, there's a bunch of people like, <laughs> my reaction to David Blaine's stunt. Like, meh. And I kind I of I kind of get that, like, too. Like, I don't... David Blaine's done some really cool stuff, and I know he's kind of, like, controversial or whatever. But this one, I was, like, in the middle of everything going on in the world right now, if this was you trying to bring, like, a glimmer of hope or distraction, like, mm, nope. like D plus, dude. D plus. Yep. Totally agree. All right. Speaking of D plus, let's talk about Walmart. They have been feeling a little bit jealous of Jeff Bezos, I guess. And they have created an, uh, basically an Amazon Prime, but for Walmart. It's called Walmart Plus. It's 98 bucks a year. And so you get free shipping on items $35 and over. Uh-huh. You get the same day deliveries. You get a discount on your gas. And Whoa. this is the cool part, James. You can scan and pay for items in the store using your phone. Oh, so that's kind of cool, but yeah. I do think that Walmart is really about that in-person crazy experience where it's like Florida <laughs> every time you walk in there and you don't know what's going to happen, right? And you're just right. like, nah, like, I don't know if I want it to go digital. What's going to happen to that Twitter, super awesome Twitter account, people of Walmart, right? That exactly. Has like people of Walmart of is just like people, been, <laughs> it's like people in front of a computer with no pants on, which is what's happening every day to everyone. I don't have pants on right now. Like, it's completely <laughs> fine. Like, I am a person of Walmart, apparently. I mean, I go yeah, back we've to... we've all turned into people of Walmart. <laughs> we've, we've all... That is the mantra. That is the new slogan for 2020. You know, uh, 2020, the year we all turned into people from Walmart. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Oh boy, drop the subject is what you are listening to. I'm Dr. James. That is Mrs. Non-Dr. Allie Johnson. And hmm. it is time for sports talk. Ooh, Jesse, put in some kind of cool sports thing here, like ESPN noise. Uh, So there are a lot of things going on in the sports world right now. And while some of you may not be sports fans, the intersection of sports and politics and COVID and the world and racism and trying to bring down systemic racism and everything going on there, that intersection is completely undeniable and really impacting all of our lives these days. And so there's some kind of big stories that are going on. And we just want to keep you up to date. Plus, it's just really interesting and newsworthy. So the quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings, a guy named Kirk Cousins, who is, if you look him up, if you Google him, he is, if you look up classic, handsome, rugged-jawed white guy. Oh, you think he's cute? It's Well, not, I mean, he's cute, but like, if you just look up in the dictionary, you're like, what is the standard standardation of just like white, rugged-jawed like Friday Night Lights. Yes. Like just like football from, player, white guy. And yep. he's he's notoriously a really, really, really nice guy. He's a great quarterback, though. The knock on him is that he chokes in the playoffs. We'll, we'll see how that goes this season. But he what was. What team in, is he on now? He's, he's been a all Vikings. over the damn place. Okay. Yeah. He's with the Minnesota Vikings right now. And, and they did a bad. They did, had a bad season. Uh, they had a great season. They lost again in the playoffs. <laughs> Oh, that's right. <laughs> which is the knock on him, right? That he can't lead a team through the playoffs, which has also happened to him and his previous team. So he some comments resurfaced uh, this week from a podcast he was on way back in July. And the context that people took out of this, he said, am I worried about COVID-19 for myself? No. The answer is 0.000001% concern. If I get it, I get it. If I die, I die. Now, if in just those comments, you would be like, oh, wow, another straight white guy who's like anti-mask and like whatever. But pause. This is why I think everyone needs to just pause and stop letting Twitter rule our lives. If you look at everything he said in front and behind that, he said all of the right things. He goes on to immediately say, but I wear my mask all the time. 
everywhere I go. And I encourage people to wear masks because it is not about me. It's about everyone else who could potentially get sick from me. So he, him and I, and me as a, as a doctor, nurse practitioner, public health person, I feel the same way. I'm not overwhelmingly concerned about myself getting Mm -hmm. this. As many Mm -hmm. COVID patients as I'm around, I probably have gotten it already. I'm not worried about me. I'm worried about me passing it to somebody else. So this is, I think, an exercise in let's not vilify people because someone on Twitter took one little clip. It happened to go viral. And then we all make these assumptions. Now, I don't know what Kirk Cousins' political leanings are or whatever, but at least in terms of wearing a mask around COVID-19, he said the NFL needs to have really strict safety regulations in place so to protect players' families. He wears a mask all the time. He encourages people to wear a mask and wash his hands and whatever. And I just, I don't love the fact that this guy got vilified for that one comment, you know, out of context. I, yes, I do believe that we should not judge people for out of context comments that are then being blasted on Twitter. However, uh, when the president rambles on about soup, I don't care about the context any longer. (laughs) Well, so I just wanted to make sure we're. He's proven himself that far beyond us needing to give him credit, right? Needing okay, to like give okay. him a second chance. I just want to no. make sure we're on the same page. Right, right, okay. right. No, this is not, just the, Donald Trump is a whole nother uh, story, but we're not talking about Donald Trump. We're talking about sports and the NBA has resumed playing their playoff uh, schedule. If you recall last week, they paused games. The Milwaukee Bucks started with this. They said they were going to bo- boycott their game five. Um, at the time against the Orlando Magic. The rest of the NBA followed suit. The WNBA followed suit. There were five games that particular night and more games from the MLB that got canceled. But interestingly, the NHL did not cancel their games that night. And they got a lot of flack for that. And this was all revolving around the shooting by police seven times in the back of Jacob Blake. However, Allie, the NHL has gone on some specifically some teams to sort of stand up a little bit more and talk a little bit more about racism in general, in society, and within their own sport. It's an incredible step because if you think about sports fans, if we're making sweeping generalizations about sports fans in general, I would say that Venn diagram of like anti-maskers or people who are more conservative, uh, there's a a nice amount of people that exist within that space and the sports world, right? Yeah, So the fact that these issues with masks, with COVID, with Black Lives Matter, all this stuff is permeating that space and in their face is very bold and very important and and I would hope is making a big impact on them. Absolutely. And I think as we wrap up here, you know, the U.S. Open is also going on right now. Naomi Osaka, who is half black, half Japanese, uh, has decided to wear a mask with a different name of someone murdered by police every match. And if she wow. continues to win. So the other night she had a Brianna Taylor mask on. Um, there's lots of other tennis players who are saying some things. And oh, by the way, the U.S. Open is actually going on without fans. It's very interesting to watch. But one of the Grand Slams is the first Grand Slam since COVID. Um, and there's been some fantastic tennis going on. But also, of course, the tennis players are talking about Black Lives Matter and COVID. So lots in the sports world and lots more. Drop the subject. We promise. Don't go anywhere. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Boy, the show really does fly by, doesn't it, James? It seems as soon as we get started, it is time to go. But the exciting thing is we have a podcast. That's right. If you've not heard of it or downloaded it, we really would appreciate it if you subscribed and downloaded and listened. You could rate it as well. Let us know what you think. If you hate it, that's fine. I would still love to hear from you. Uh, We talked to Dr. Jen, or I did. I had a great conversation with her about stuffed animals. Um, We did some gay-gay cray-cray stuff. We talked about Trump and his love for soup, or actually his hatred for soup. Uh, We talked about all of the incredible things that are going on in the sports world right now, and now it comes down to this. A last-minute Ask the NP. Oh, really? (laughs) Yes, and let me play my intro. You know what happens when a nurse is late? People (laughs) die. Here's my question for you, Dr. James. Yes, I am ready. I'm really curious to see what you think of this. So I heard about this story. I was talking about it on a K-Rock, our sister station. There's a woman who, I forget where this happened. I think this actually happened in Canada. Okay. Some of the, some of the things are reopening there, including this old lady's favorite bingo hall. She cannot wait. She's been home for six months. She misses her friends. She misses all of the daubers, all of it. So she goes to the bingo hall 
She's got her little mask on. She's all ready to go. And she is turned away at the bingo hall because while her face was covered, the trach in her neck was not covered. Oh, so oh. she's got a hole in her neck, mm-hmm. you know, like those commercials from the 90s and 2000s and today's uh-huh. all the things that they scare you into never smoking a cigarette ever in your life. Correct. She's got one of those and she even tried. She went home and then tried to go back and argue with them. And they said, no, no, no. If you've got she's like, this is I breathe out of this. I can't cover it up. And they were like, well, if you breathe out of it, you need to be covering it. So what is the deal with that? Dr. James, does someone actually have to cover their trach hole? Whoa. Well, okay. So (laughs) tracheostomies are a thing. Uh And there are lots of people in the world who run around and live their lives with a tracheostomy, whether it is just the open hole or they have like a, a device coming out of it. Or that device is coming out of it and it's hooked to oxygen. I think it depends on what sort of tracheostomy system you have. So if it is just an open hole and you're not required oxygen, there's no device, I think you can still cover it and be safe. But that's really, really tough. I think it's it, it's different for each individual. If you have a tracheostomy with a, a device coming out of it that oxygen is going into, which is pretty frequent, you could, can and should cover that and you're fine because there's oxygen going into it. So this is, I feel like I need to do a little more research and get back to you on the, should you have to cover the tracheostomy hole? Right. Did we do we, Is there a loophole? Is the tracheal the loophole in this whole scenario? Well, and how do you get a mask around your neck? Is it just a scarf? Yeah. Is it I one mean, of those gaiters? Do, right. Do you do the, but then you don't want to, you can't, totally cover it like completely because she's right this is how she breathes like man this is can you transfer covid through a a hole in your neck well yeah i what i would worry more about is is the people around her like the the respiratory particles coming out of her neck sometimes and yeah i mean if that is an entry into mucosal membranes so if someone were to sneeze or whatever and then (gasps) she like it gets in through that hole yeah of course she could so does she sneeze through her trach hole and likely she has to sneeze yeah and likely she has some sort of pulmonary underlying illness right because she has a tracheostomy whether or whether that was just like surgery or something so uh that's really interesting. I, I'm not a fan of this person, bottom line, being around a lot of other people anyway. Like, I'm not sure her going to a bingo hall is the right thing to be doing right now. Mm. I know it really sucks, but like, hopefully she can go outside and play bingo in the park and Zoom everyone. Okay, <laughs> Zoom bingo. Zoom bingo. I'm sure that's great for a really old lady who's not used technology in a while, but maybe we can <laughs> teach her. Um, oh, my goodness. Well, wow. these are the questions that we answer here on the show. And if you have any more questions for... Dr. James, you can uh, get at him at Ask the NP, direct message him. And we will see you tomorrow. Goodbye.